severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome to Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. Wherever you are in the world, I hope you're well. Thank you for tuning in to Just Get A Real Job as always. Uh, if you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast. And if you are a returning listener, thank you for coming back as always. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. We have another brilliant episode in store for you this week. And joining us on the podcast this week is Sam Jackson, who is an actor. And this was actually quite a fun one to record because we recorded this week's episode when Sam was actually backstage in his dressing room for The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which is a play that he is in now, which is touring the UK. And there's links to that play in the show notes. I interviewed him and he was actually backstage and it was about an hour before he was about to go on stage. So it was quite, there was like a ticking clock. It was quite fun to do that it added a different energy but uh, me and Sam had a really really interesting conversation and Sam actually really opened up about his experiences as an actor and how he sort of struggled coming out of a big show like Skins at such a young age being in that and then going off into the rest of his acting career how that was a bit of a struggle and he was really honest about how he deals with rejection and yeah just his experiences it was really really good of him to open up about that so I very much thank Sam again for his honesty and it's a really really good conversation I'm sure you're going to enjoy it it was good fun to do so thank you again to Sam but before I get into this week's episode I just wanted to quickly say that I know I said in last week's episode we were going to announce the charity we are going to donate 10% of the patron earnings from the last year to. But we've been quite a busy week and I haven't actually had a chance. To, I really wanted to pick a charity that means something to me and Elliot and that we know what we're donating to. We don't just want to rush it. So we haven't quite decided on a charity yet. We have a sort of few in mind. We might even donate to more than one. But we're going to just sort of decide that hopefully this week and we'll make an announcement about that. As always as well, if you are enjoying this podcast, remember to tell friends and family to listen. Remember to share the podcast on social media. Subscribe to the podcast so you can you don't miss the episodes every week. Leave us five-star reviews. All that sort of thing I say every week obviously as I've just mentioned as well we have a patron links to that in the show notes anyway I'll stop rambling on and I hope you enjoy episode 65 with actor Sam Jackson hi Sam how's it going nice to see you yeah you too man I appreciate that you're recording this live from like your dressing room between shows so thank you very much for doing that and giving up your evening that's all right that's all right I've had some wolf down some pasta, so now I've got nothing to do now for the next hour. So this is great. <laughs> I'm aware you're very cold as well in your dressing room, so hopefully this yeah. will yeah help you get yeah. through that. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's weird. Like in the actual theatre, it's very very warm, but this dressing room is just particularly cold for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's a feature of the dressing room. <laughs> They're not looking after the talent well enough, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> not. not no. <laughs> <laughs> oh the glamour of show business well anyway Sam thank you for I'm excited to have you to have you on the podcast I know you've been in some pretty cool stuff over the years as well and you've been acting for how long have you been acting for exactly actually I started I guess properly like when around about 15 I think my first job was I did a couple of episodes of Heartbeat oh yeah I, was, I remember I that like, maybe I was 14 yeah it was like 14 15 and I was going to some like local acting classes in Weatherby which is where I'm from 
Oh, lovely. And, Yorkshire. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So the lady that was running those classes, she was kind of like an agent as well, like not really like a proper agent, but she'd get like the occasional casting that would come up and she'd just send like, I guess it's quite difficult to find like child actors. I'm, I'm sure there's not like a massive like yeah. roster of child actors. So she used to put like people up for stuff occasionally. And I got lucky with this um this heartbeat job, which was like, yeah, it was great. It's good. Oh, nice. So yeah, I think that was my first intro into it i mean i i've done like the school nativity play and stuff like that but that was proper like professional first first thing and i was lucky enough to get into um there's this thing called the television workshop which started in nottingham which is where jack o'connell started who went on to do skins and they set one up in leeds and birmingham Uh, it was funded by itv so it was a really great like it was amazing like i still think that like the classes that I went to there, like some of the best acting classes I've had. Yeah. I'm sort of, the first question we ask on the podcast, the main question is, uh, what are your sort of earliest creative influences are? But you sort of started answering that already, which is great. Yeah, I think that's probably like, I guess like the first proper creative thing. I mean, I used to like, I bought this Super 8 camera when I was like, I don't know how old I was, must have been like 12 or 13 or maybe 14. But I had that and I was like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what film I saw. I, I watched like a mad film and like I did some research on it and I like worked out that it was like, because it was like I hadn't seen anything like it before and then I worked out it was filmed on a Super 8 camera I was like okay well maybe I should get a Super 8 camera and start doing that you know (laughs) so I got that and then I was like trying to make this like short film I guess about I mean it was a mad it was a mad thing (laughs) it was like I had this idea of like someone got hit by a car and it was like a drunk drive situation um and then it cut you find out later in the film that it's actually the the, a dad has killed his own son and not realized that it was I had this whole like dark like very dark for like a 13, 14 year old boy to come up with. But I think that was probably the first like creative thing that I that I did. And then uh, I kind of filmed it and then realized that there's not that you can't really get Super 8 film like developed anymore. It's quite difficult to to find somewhere to do that. And it ended up being really expensive. And then I think I did that and then realized it was too expensive and then kind of stopped the whole thing. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was a bit mad. And that was on a but Super yeah, 8? I, that, that was a Super 8 camera? Yeah, I bought it off eBay. I, bought, like, <laughs> a, I, I got my mum to like help me find one. Amazing. Um, like, yeah, I've still got it, actually. I've still got it at home. But it wasn't like... The camera wasn't expensive, but the film, getting the film developed was really expensive. <laughs> That that's a way more much effort to like my attempts at filmmaking as a as a teenager. We just did the thing on the phone, you know. If you pause, if you pause a record and it make you can look like you teleported to do that. Yeah. It was like so silly. We just like record each other like messing about and then pause it and then it looked like you were you know teleporting about the place. That was like, yeah. as extreme as I got with that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. that's class that you had. I like I the... did. I think I think I realized that Super Eight was maybe a like maybe a bold a bold start. And I think <laughs> I did the, the whole camera phone stop start teleportation thing i also did that as well yeah <laughs> i just remember thinking it was the coolest thing in the world for about a year and then being like it's not particularly complicated at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah me and my one of my friends who like lived nearby and we got we were like really into jackass when we were younger so I oh yeah about like let's do like a jackass thing you know we'd like <laughs> you know just like we'd stack sofas on top of each other and then we'd like jump off the sofas into and try to like slam basketball things and there's this really like horrifying video of like me doing this like slam dunk from like like three sofas piled on top of each other doing a slam dunk and then like losing my balance and just falling back and just landing on my back and it was like a, it's like shit this is actually really good maybe we should like <laughs> i don't know send this to you've been framed or something and try to get 200 quid for this mad video i forgot um, they used to give out 200 quid was it 250 or 200 yeah. it was a really specific amount of money like, yeah i was like there's, there's some gold here <laughs> 
Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And you sort of also touched on like where you're from. But that, another question we ask everyone is how where they're from has sort of had an influence on them as a creative and in their career. So how is like sort of growing up in Yorkshire and stuff, how has that influenced you? As an actor? Well, I grew up in Weatherby, which is like, it's funny, whenever anyone, whenever anyone asks me where I'm from, like, I'll always, like, my go-to thing is to say Leeds, because I don't expect anyone to know Weatherby. Yeah. So I'll always say Leeds, and then someone, and then you get the people that are like, oh, whereabouts in Leeds? And I'll say Weatherby, and then they'll go, that's not in Leeds. And I'll be like, <laughs> okay. All right, well, Weatherby then. But yeah, quite like, a, it's like a small, like, market town, and like, very kind of like, this sort of town where, like, you know, you bump into like everyone kind of knows each other kind of thing I went to the local Weatherby High School there I guess like my family are quite like middle class yeah like when I I guess when I went to Weatherby High School there was like lots of people I don't know what it is I think because Weatherby is a bit further out of Leeds it got quite good funding for people that were coming from like the city of Leeds so we get like a lot of people coming from the actual city of Leeds so then I've met like loads of people from different backgrounds which was kind of great but yeah I don't know I guess like northern I don't know. I've had a weird thing with like being from the North. I think when I moved down to London, when I was like 18, 19, I had my first couple of auditions. And I remember a casting director saying to me once, like, you need to work on your RP accent because you sound like very Northern, you know, you sound very mm. Northern. And I was like, I, I, I never imagined that I did sound that Northern because like whether it be, it's not like, it's not like Leeds Leeds. It's like, it's like a soft Leeds, I guess. So I yeah. never, like I had mates that were like proper Leeds. You know, I've got mates from like Crossgates that are like, you know, proper, they sound very like Leeds. And so I, in my head, I was never that Leeds. But then when I got to London, I was like, oh, right, maybe I am a bit. So it's weird. Like I spent, I think since living in London, my accent has kind of like changed quite a lot. I guess from that, really. But I don't know. Yeah, I think how has it influenced? I don't know. Does that answer the question? That did answer the question very well, honestly. Like that was, that was a very interesting <laughs> answer. Just a question on that. You were talking about like the RP accent stuff. Did you ever, did that kind of annoy you a little bit or feel a bit like, did you ever feel quite a lot of pressure to speak in a different accent as an actor? Yeah, I did. It definitely felt a pressure. I think that was like one of the first, like one of the first proper auditions I had. That was like the first bit of feedback that I got. It's like, you need to work on your RP accent. I was like, oh, it wasn't even something that I'd ever thought about. Because mm. this television workshop that we were in, they were very much just like, you know, everything needs to come from you as a person. And like, what makes you you is the thing that makes you like different yeah. and individual. So yeah, I guess there was there was that pressure. And then like then speaking to like other northern actors as well, I kind of figured out that it was like actually a thing that other people were like like I wasn't upset by it. I was like okay, this is just part of acting. Like you know, you need to be able to change like know how you sound and change how you sound. I was kind of up for it because I'm kind of into like accents and how different, you know, people talk and different rhythms and stuff. Yeah. But I worked with a guy called Jimmy Fairhurst actually, who I worked with at Derby Theatre and he's very much like champion very much like champions like you know northern sort of like working class actors and he's like you need to like hold on to your accent and I was like oh actually that you're talking a lot of sense there maybe I need to mm. I think it's important to have the skill to be able to differentiate between but if it's not like specific for an audition I think you know you should always speak in your own accent because that is that is the thing that makes you different from any other actor I think yeah um, no, absolutely I kind of flipped between the two I guess I just thought it was an interesting area just obviously being in Scotland and stuff we'd had quite a lot of Scottish actors on the podcast and, and a lot of them have said similar things like when you know they feel like when they go down to London for auditions they're like they have to totally change their entire you know voice yeah. and, and speak in a quite a posh English accent I think it's a lot better than it used to be to be fair I think in the 60s and stuff like everyone just had the same you know TV yeah. voice so yeah and I bet as well for Scottish actors as well I bet it's almost like even if you're going for a Scottish part I bet there's like some people that are like feel like they're too Scottish you know or like do you know what I mean like but I think I don't know I guess if it's 
if it's right for a part, it's right for a part. I yeah. also just think like I think I think a lot of casting directors don't actually know what they're looking for or what they want. So if you're gonna try really hard to change what you're doing and what who you are for a casting director, then it could you kind of digging yourself a hole a little bit sometimes, I think. Because I think sometimes you should just go in and just do what you do and be yourself. And that's normally most of the time the best thing that you can do. Yeah, absolutely. And a fun question, sort of again talking about on the theme of where you're from and stuff. Did you have a favorite word or a phrase that you liked, like like from sort of that area? It doesn't have to be specifically from there. I mean, it just in general, a word or phrase, English word or phrase that you really like. Okay, I mean, the phrase that comes to my head immediately is not like a phrase that I ever really used, but it was in this. I'm quite a big uh, Leeds United fan, and it's this in one of the, the Leeds the Leeds song. There's a phrase that is Ilkley Ilkley more bar tap, which is something that I've never used seriously i've said it a few times ironically but it basically means up ilkley moor like ilkley moor is like well it's like the auction moors i guess yeah without your hat so bar's hat <laughs> is without your hat which i don't think anyone i mean i've never met anyone that actually speaks like that anymore but i thought i, I always found that really funny for some reason bar tat ilkley moor bar tat i like it not your hat. <laughs> well, to sort of go on, I know you touched on Heartbeat earlier as well. And one of your sort of first big like sort of roles you got as an actor and stuff. But like what sort of what was your sort of path after that? Did you go to drama school at all or did you just try and audition for roles and stuff? How did your sort of career unfold from there? I went to college, so sixth form. And I was studying, did English literature, theatre studies. And then I also did maths and economics as well. Because I was like, I think I kind of want to do acting, but if it doesn't work out, then I can always, I don't know, do maths and do something clever, I guess, was my thinking at the time. So I had like the option to do both. But then the same, actually, so the same lady that got me the audition for Heartbeat, she got Jane Ripley, who's the casting director for Skins, to come in and do like a workshop with us. So it was like a workshop with a casting director. And I must have been, yeah, I guess 16. And then, so that was my next big thing was I got the audition for Skins so she kind of remembered me from the workshop and then when they had the open casting for series five I went for the open casting for series five I didn't get a role then but the following year they brought in a new character and Jane Ripley brought me down like well yeah she, I guess she just remembered me from the workshop and then from the open casting and then said oh you might be right for this mm-hmm. so then I went down and auditioned for Alex who was in yeah character in series six yeah. And then I met the writer and the producer and I kind of kind of went from there, really. While I was doing sixth form, I decided that I wanted to go to drama school. So I had all of my auditions. I had my first audition at Central and RADA. And I think I had another audition at Central, but I just didn't. I got an agent through Skins. So I'd, I'd, I'd signed with Hamilton Hadell after getting the part in Skins and then speaking to everyone who I'd like met who was an actor and talking about drama school. And they were like... You can go to drama school, it'd be amazing, but like you've already got an agent and you're already working. So maybe think about not going and just like trying to get work for the next three years. So that's what I did. I didn't, I yeah. stopped at the other auditions and then just, just moved to London after to that, started auditioning basically. Yeah. I've got, um, I've got like a few questions to sort of ask you a bit more about your experience doing skins and stuff. But the one that's something I just wanted to quickly pick out from that was what you were saying about how you obviously didn't get the part for season five, but a year later yeah. it sort of worked out. I've just been, that's a really good lesson for, for people who maybe want to be an actor listening and just just in general in any industry that sometimes even if you don't get a job or you, something doesn't come off like you never even if you try your best and do a good job it can still come back and benefit you in the future like you know so oh yeah there's so many the things thing. like that i've had like like most of my most of the work i mean not most of it but I'd, I'd say like a good percentage of the work that i've done has been like i've had an audition for something and it's, i've not been right for a thing but they've had like another thing come up 
and they've and they've said, oh, you you weren't right for this, but you are right for this. Come in and read for this. So that's yeah, that's definitely a good lesson. I think it's very easy to be like, oh, it's another one gone kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, sometimes it works out. So that's oh. yeah. Yeah. definitely does but like what was it sort of like as a like at that age to be in like a quite a big because skins was a huge show like you know growing up yeah like, everyone yeah. that was like the big you know that was the big thing especially as a teenager yeah. everyone was like oh, skin you know so like that must yeah. have been pretty but, like but for me, yeah it was terrifying man it was terrifying i was like I remember the first day of filming and they had like jay from series three and four i don't i've met him as well but i can't remember his name but he was on he was like helping out with the camera crew and he was just there on the first day and it was just like I was properly like mad into skins when I was like yeah. all of me and my friends were. So when I got the job, I was like, oh my God. And then he was just there on the first day. I was like, oh my God, this is actually like a real, I'm actually, this is real. And, and then I was like, I'm actually doing this. It's mad. I wouldn't say like, <laughs> I look back at it now and it was amazing. Like it was such an amazing thing to be a part of. But I think those first couple of weeks, I definitely felt like way out of my depth. I was like, yeah. felt so much like, oh my God. I was 17 at the time. I turned 18 while I was while I was filming. And yeah, I guess I was I was very aware of like the magnitude of the of the show. So it was yeah. But it must I mean, have been quite a lot of pressure though as well. Like that such a young yeah, age. Yeah, that, yeah. I was looking at photos earlier when I was researching for this, and I, there was obviously photos of you and your skins and stuff. And I was like, you look so young compared. To, I mean, obviously you were 17, 18, but like, do you know what I mean that yeah. is such a young age to be in something that quite like with that much attention around it? Yeah, yeah, it really was. And it was like, it was, it was really successful. Like, I guess for the people that are in like the first couple of series, it was like, I guess the first series I'm filming, they didn't realise how big it was going to be, you know, but yeah, it was massive. I had such an impact on like me and all of my friends. And I mean, literally anyone that I speak to about it, Skins is like, oh yeah, Skins, you know, had such an impact on people. Yeah. It and then obviously like, like everyone's gone on to do like, you know, you got Nicholas Holt and Dev Patel and Daniel Kaluma, who's just like, it's mainly massive now, like it's crazy. So it's good. It was great. Yeah. No, that's a um, class. And uh, sort of after Skins, like did that finished, like you were still a team when that was all finished, right? Yeah. So I think from start to finish, I think they film over a period of like six months but obviously you kind of like film in Bristol but you kind of go down for a couple of weeks at a time and then you know they'll film a different bit where you're not in and then you go home for a couple of weeks so it's kind of like on and off like six months and then I and then I moved to London when I was in when I was 19 so the year the following year I moved down to London and then just started doing stuff down yeah so did you sort of just start auditioning for for other stuff and just sort of I'm going to make it as an actor I'm going to make it as a working actor like I genuinely when I was filming I think everyone on that all of us in that in that thing we were like when we were filming that show I think the general feeling was is that we were all made as actors yeah and that like we'd hit the big time like it was like okay well we've made it now we're all actors we're all just gonna we're going to finish this we're all going to get films we're all going to get i think nicola polton's people had started doing like mm-hmm. big stuff you know so we were kind of like riding like dev patel had definitely done stumdog millionaire i think yeah so the general feeling was like well this is it now for us we're like you know <laughs> and there was like stories going around i was like okay well you know this person did this big job when they were younger and they're like working in you know pizza express now so it's not always like that we were like nah that's not gonna happen to <laughs> us that's not gonna happen to us we've made it this is it for us now uh, Which, looking back at it now is like hilarious because i've not i mean i don't think any of us in that series has been continuously acting that's just not how it works mm. so it's quite naive yeah. very very naive. i really appreciate you being that open about that by the way though because that's all what this podcast is all about and like you know we have we try to have really honest conversations about this industry and how it can be quite a difficult one to get a job in and stuff yeah. so i yeah. genuinely do really appreciate you being honest about that because i think it's really good for younger actors to hear that yeah no it is i wish someone had told me <laughs> wish someone had told me that because i yeah i don't know I've, i i i still i kind of i look back at it now and i think if i had by the time again i would have gone to drama school i think 
Mm. And I regret not doing that because I think like Skins was great and you meet, you know, obviously like you meet loads of good people through that. But I think one of the most important things about drama school is you create like a network of people, like-minded people Mm. that want to do what you want to do. And you kind of create that support network. But it was tough. It was tough moving down to London and then just like, you know, going for auditions and expecting just to get one immediately. And then you and then you don't. And you're like, oh, man, it's kind of like back to reality kind of thing. It's always, yeah. How, how do you personally, this is another question we I, I tend to ask a lot, all the actors that speak to on this podcast, but how do you sort of deal with rejection as an actor? Because it, it is tough. I think when I was younger, I definitely struggled with it a lot and I like I didn't move down to London immediately after Skins so I was like I was still living at home with my parents in Weatherby and I was getting like you know I was getting the train down to London like every other week for, for an audition or something and it's like you know it's like 75 quid return and then you kind of like sat on the train for like three hours and you're like okay this has to you know this has to go well I've just spent 70 quid and like you know I need to get this otherwise I'm you know I'm going back home and you kind of built put that pressure on yourself and yeah I don't think I don't think anyone ever I mean no one did tell me about it because I didn't go I think maybe when you go to drama school maybe that's I imagine that's a thing that they talk about a lot is like mm. stuff industry and like you're going to get rejected a lot before you get that right part and no one kind of told me that <laughs> so I had a really I had a, I had a really tough time actually a really tough mm. time because all my friends went to uni I'd yeah. go visit like friends in uni and stuff and they'd all be having you know be having a great time and doing all this stuff and learning all these new things and meeting all these new people and I was just at home just like waiting for the phone to ring yeah bad it was a bad time actually but I then I got into like I had an IMDB account I was like looking and seeing what you know like that's the whole active thing of like what, what's this person doing or what's this person working on next and like you know I was like really into film and I was reading about the lead guy in Prison Break which is a show that I was into mm-hmm. when I was when I was younger and he had something crazy uh, this might be a made-up stat but it's a crazy high number of like 150 auditions or something of rejection pure pure rejection and then you got Prison Break and it's like, I was reading an interview with him and he was like, I just, I knew that I was good. I just had to keep telling myself that I was good. And I knew that eventually the right part was going to come up for me and the right part did come up. And that was like, okay, that was kind of like a good boost. So I was like reading a lot of stuff like that, you know, sort of like success stories about actors that have had rejection and then, and then things turn around for them. But yeah. I think, yeah. I mean that, but I mean that's the other thing, isn't it? Like you hear about the success stories, you don't hear about all the actors that get rejected, get rejected, and then decide to do something else, and acting didn't work out for them. Yeah, which happens to a lot of people. Yeah, we um, we had Sarah Vickers and Andy Rovney on a few weeks ago, who are quite like big actors, but they're pretty well known actors, especially in Scotland, and they've been in pretty great roles. And they were both talking about that as well. That like you only hear about the top one percent of actors that are like you know mega yeah. mega huge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, so when you were in London and stuff at that age, like what sort of, what was the next steps then? Did you, did you, were you able to sort of start getting work as an actor or was it still quite difficult? I moved, I didn't know anything about London at all. I moved to Putney of all places because one of my friend that I had was like, oh, I've got two mates in London that have got a spare room and they're both actors. Maybe you should move in with them. I was like, all right. Putney is like, I don't know. It's very like, very like mumsy. I don't know. Like, I think if you move into London for the first time, I wouldn't recommend Putney, to be honest. I think most people go to like, I don't know, Hackney or like, I don't know, somewhere in North London, I guess. But um, but I mean, it was fine. It was nice. I stayed there. Like, it was my only experience in London. I was like, this is great. Like, it's first time moving out of home. So it was, it was that whole experience. I just started working at a bar. I just got a bar job down the road. and was just waiting for auditions, basically. And then the first job that I got was actually, I think I did Kez at Derby Theatre. Yeah. which is funny I just I'd moved down to London then it was like okay we're moving out of London now to Derby for 
two and a half months, which I think is all. I think it, um, I had another mate that was like that as well. He'd like lived in Leeds all his life, moved down to London, and then his first job was back in Leeds. <laughs> it's just like, all right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just, it was just, it was just, it's just kind of that, isn't it? Really, it's like I think there's there's different actors that like Daniel Kaluuya is an example is that there's lots of actors that really go after really go after stuff and really put themselves like in every single kind of situation where they can either meet someone or get an audition for something or get a meeting or even just like meet someone who's in the industry and they really go after everything I guess I've been less like that which is not I don't think it's a good way to be I think if you really really want to be a successful actor you should give yourself the most opportunity you can and I think looking back on the stuff that I've done I think I could have tried more with that I've fallen into the trap of kind of just sitting back and waiting for my agent to call um yeah but that but that's not easy and I don't think most people are naturally like that it's really hard I mean being obviously not an actor but like the idea of being an actor like I have acted in the past in like school stuff but like it's not an easy thing to do you're putting yourself like in a very vulnerable place and just in this industry in general it's really hard to like be the one to take initiative all the time and you know it's not you know you have to be very confident as well and it's so I don't think there's anything wrong with like necessarily you know not everyone can be like that yeah yeah that is true but I think it's like yeah I think it's so hard that it's, it's it's so hard as an actor like you're you're essentially you can't work unless someone else creates something right mm. unless you start your own theatre company and write your own stuff and do that you, you're kind of in the fate of like getting a job and being accepted yeah. onto something that someone else has created mm. whereas like a, a musician for example they can I don't know I guess they can be at home and practice yeah and well and, and I don't know yeah it's, it's kind of it's a weird thing acting it's weird yeah it's weird. just it <laughs> I have a lot of uh, respect respect for everyone that that acts and stuff because fair play like it's a tough it's a tough industry to be in yeah but I mean when you're doing it it's the best it's the best it's the best job in the world yeah when you get the opportunity to do it yeah Hello, it's JB here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcasts, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash justgetarealjob, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. And I guess the thing is, like, no, I'm sure it's lovely to be in shows that are really successful and, and feel like you're getting acclaim and stuff. But just you, you're still, I'd say you are a successful working actor. You're like you're, you're in a theatre right now. Like you're still getting to do what you love for a living, which is, is amazing. 
So that must make, yeah. still make you quite happy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, especially like, I think over like the lockdown and pandemic and stuff, I think the work has definitely dried up for everyone. I don't mm. think like a, a very small selection of like lucky people have managed to carry on working through lockdown, but I didn't, hadn't even had any, like any auditions really for the whole coronavirus thing, just because I think things have just been cancelled, you know, it's like too yeah. risky for people to put stuff on right now like touch wood this has been like we've been on tour for 10 weeks now i think and we've had no issues at all no issues with covid or anything so it's amazing this is you know this is still going on well but i'll get into like the, the, the your current show sleepy hole in that in a minute but before that just on the covid thing like how have you coped with that as an actor like as you were saying like that must have been really tough been tough for yeah all of us, but... i like I th- this is also another thing with actors is that there's no furlough you can't like yeah do you know what I mean? You're self-employed and you can't like, even the self-employed grants thing, unless you've been doing consistent good work, you can't really claim a self-employed grant if you've not been, if you've not been working. So you're kind of relying on all the part-time stuff you've been doing. But me and about two years ago, so just actually just literally just before the coronavirus thing happened, me and my partner, we started like a, a food business, like a, like a, we, so we do like vegan fermented food products. Uh, we're both really big into food. It's like another passion, I guess. But we started that like two years ago. And that's basically just been kept me busy throughout the whole of coronavirus, which has been amazing. It's been like a, mm. an absolute, I mean, it's been amazing. It's been very difficult and very stressful as well. I know what it's you mean, been, In terms of like acting, it's been yeah. good to like have a focus that's not acting. Yeah. I think it's very easy if you're an actor, you start like valuing yourself on how much work you're getting and, you know, not living up to your potential because you're working in a bar and you've not worked for, 18 months and it's like man what am I doing so having like yeah having another another thing that requires like full attention and full focus has been has been great that's how I dealt with it <laughs> yeah do you think that's actually helped you as an actor coming back into it now do you think yeah, having definitely. that time away is really giving you a bit of perspective definitely. definitely like I someone I think I'm, I'm quite like I'm quite self-critical and quite like I put quite a lot of pressure on myself to do like yeah. a really good job so the, the whole thing of like auditioning is that I would you know I'd go into audition I'd be really nervous because I've been like you know this is an opportunity I've got to make sure that I'm doing the best thing that I can do and like get myself into this like overthinking which is not like the way you want to do it because you don't end up doing your best work mm. if you're like nervous and overthinking and over trying but having like a thing that it's almost like I've got two things going on now so now going up for an acting job it's like okay well it doesn't matter if this doesn't go well because you've still got another thing that you need to focus on so yeah like a level of like relaxation and like I think cast directors and directors can sort of like smell desperation do you know what I mean if like you walk in and you're like desperate for the job and you're like I think people can sense that and I think having something that allows you to not have that is is great yeah Definitely. Well, I suppose we should talk about Sleepy Hollow, the legend of Sleepy Hollow, I should say, which, you, which you're about to perform in literally less than an hour, which is mental. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, do you want to talk about that and like sort of what the show's about and, you know, where people can see it, et cetera, et cetera? Well, so it's an adaptation on the original the original story by Washington Irving. And it's the, the story itself is actually it's quite short. It's like only like 20 pages long. It's quite a short mm. story. And not really that much happens. Like it's about like Ichabod Crane, who is like a school teacher that comes in and it's sort of like set during the American Revolution. So sort of like mid 1700s. And you know that what was happening is that with all these people from the these educated people from the cities were being sent out to the smaller villages to educate the villages and and bring up the speed kind of thing so that's the basis and then he gets to this Ichabod Crane gets to this town and there's all these like spooky fables and folk stories and stuff and then the headless horseman 
appears and it's not it's quite ambiguous you're not sure if Ichabod Crane actually gets killed or not or actually if he manages to get away but it's very short and it's very like for something that's such so well known and so it's like one of the most famous horror stories going you read it and you kind of like oh is that it kind of thing but it is funny like having this I think people come to see the show expecting the film with Johnny Depp mm. <laughs> it's like the writer, Philip Meeks, has done an adaptation on the story. So he's incorporated three or four of the original writer's stories into Sleepy Hollow. So it's not like the film at all. I mean, the character names are similar, but the actual plot and what happens is is very different to the actual film. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good show. There's lots of like, there's some funny bits. There's some like scary, jumpy bits. There's like a couple of good illusions where like you can hear the audience go, <gasps> which is which is, which is great. When you just hear the audience recoil. But yeah, it's funny as well. The writer's big thing was like, he was like, I think um, for him, like horror and comedy go like hand in hand. Mm. So it's almost, it's like, it's almost verging. Like it's kind of like hammer horror. It's that sort of like kooky horror kind of style. There's lots of like elements of like Midsommar as well. Like the ending is quite Midsommar. It's just fun. Yeah, it's a fun show. I think we've had, I think the plot is not like the easiest to follow, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know if I should say that. <laughs> um, but I think the producer probably listed this, isn't she? Sorry, Catherine. Sorry, Matthew. But it's it, yeah, that is the general that is the general feedback. The plot's difficult to follow. But what it is is like even if you can't follow the plot like exactly, and there have been some people that understood exactly what's going on. It's just great. Like it's just it's just it's just fun, you know. It's lo- it's loads of fun. It's like two hours of just you know. You're definitely yeah. not like there's no bits where you can be bored. It's it's a real. Hoot. You can explain the plot. Um, is maybe it's just deliberately ambiguous. There you go. It's a positive spin on ambiguous. what you. And that is and that is the thing with horror. Like I remember watching Midsommar recently, and you kind of get to the end, you're like, okay, like I was really buying it up until that point, and I was like, but why did that happen? <laughs> you know, you kind of left this question. You're like, what? That was that was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, um, but you sort of go with that's it, don't kind of, you? That's kind of good, right? You know, yeah. I'd rather have that than like go watch a boring thing the way you understood and you yeah. can follow everything easily yeah yeah and where and where, where, where's the show on because i know you're about to take a break for christmas but like obviously when this goes yeah. out in january um so it's on well yeah it's south end now and then in the new year we start up in crew uh lyceum in crew and then we go to cardiff we go up to inverness as Ooh. well up my neck a little bit up my neck of the woods it's a bit a bit far even for me but you know <laughs> yeah i'm excited i'm excited we were in um it's a lovely Ed- place edinburgh, a few weeks ago. edinburgh is gorgeous yeah i wish um, you, i wish i'd known i literally could have come to that because that's where i'm there but yeah, never mind yeah never mind oh derby theater as well i'm going back to derby theater which, yeah. is, which is which is great and then salisbury as well i mean it's all on the yeah i'm website. sure we'll plug this in the show notes as well but i, I do it's it's nice to just you know list town names it's like that thing in the office isn't it you just list yeah. all the names. yeah yeah <laughs> my world does not end with these four walls slough's a big place you know, and when I finish with Slough, there's Reading, Aldershot, Bracknell. You know, I've got a Didcot, Yately. You know, my Winnersh, Taplow. You know, because I am my own my own boss, I can Burfield. Well, I started to wrap things up because I know I know well, you're performing very soon, so I'm aware of that. I've got a few more questions. I, these are just some fun questions you always ask. Like they're just a few sort of like quick fiery ones. But the, my first of this is, and it's a hard question, but like if you could sort of play any role from history, you're like ideal choice. What, what do you think? You what role would you love to play? Oh man, that's a good question. I don't know, man. You're gonna have to go on to the next question and come back to that one. Okay, no worries. It's in there. Let me let me. Yeah, get don't worry. Thing. Well, on a similar note, like if you could act in any film from history or any show from history that's been on, like you could have been part of what, what do you think you would be in? I would have loved to 
I think one of my favourite films, one of the best films of all time is It's a Wonderful Life. I love it so much. I've got a poster of it literally above me, yeah. And I think, I mean, James Stewart and that is amazing. Oh, so good. Like, so that there's not even, it'd be like terrifying to even attempt to do that. <laughs> but I think I would like to, I'd like to do that as half as well as he yeah be involved in that because that was like that's oh, it's one of my favorite ever lines in a film is just like i'm gonna last through the moon love that beautiful it's, yeah it's, yeah that's yeah that's my answer for that it's a great answer that's good it's good what is it you want mary what do you want you you want the moon just say the word and i'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down hey that's a pretty good idea i'll give you the moon mary i'll take it and this is another tricky one, but like, do you have a favorite role that you played yourself? Like a favorite character you got to play yourself so far? Yeah, I'd actually probably say I'd actually probably say Billy Casper in um in Kansas Derby Theatre, and I think I think that was partly the role itself and partly the experience. It was my first like proper theatre job, and it's where like I really decided that um theater, like doing theatre, I. I, I enjoy theatre way more than I, I've enjoyed doing television stuff. Mm. It's just like, I know there's such like an energy about it. But yeah, it was like, that was my first proper like theatre job. And Sarah Brigham, who's the artist director at Derby, she was amazing to work with. Um, just everyone in that company were just like amazing. And just so like, I mean, they're all like, they're all like very experienced actors and they really like helped me through the whole process. And like, yeah, I don't know, stand here and like, you know, just like, I, I think I was probably like, again a bit out of my depth I didn't really know because not not going to drama school I literally didn't even know how to like perform in the theatre do you know what I mean yeah. I never performed in the theatre that like size so that whole experience was amazing and that script was great as well and I love the whole journey of Billy you know and the whole thing with his brother and he has this like yeah he has this kestrel that he looks after and then he gets killed at the end and it's like a, yeah it's like a very like moving piece yeah. Um, I'd say that was my favourite. Yeah, it was great. Oh, it's great. great. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. And and lastly, of the, of the quick ones, like, do, who would you say like, sort of big acting influences are? Like, are there any actors you like really look up to that have inspired you? Yes. This has changed quite a lot, actually. I used to think that like method acting was like the only way to like be like an amazing actor. I was like, if you really want to, you know, reach that sort of like, like, like Daniel Day Lewis is someone that I'm just mm. like, wow. He, like, everything that he does is like incredible. But I think he actually might be slightly insane yeah absolutely absolutely he is i don't know how healthy his his relationship is i was reading this thing the other day i was like i think there's so many like modern acting techniques now i was like you have to like experience everything and like feel everything um but actually if you remember why you started acting it's because you enjoy doing it like being like it's enjoyable to feel like like perform to people that's the enjoyable part of it but i think influence i think probably marlon brando is probably my biggest oh one actor there's that whole thing in um what film is it it's on the waterfront where he picks up the where he picks up the glove i got obsessed about this thing it's like this um it's there's a scene where this woman drops a glove and he like i don't know he picks up the glove and it's like wow he's just in the moment he's in he's just present you know mm. and i think that was something that i tried to like incorporate just like being just being present in a scene and something happens and go with it um, yeah but, but like loads of actors Loads, 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 loads. I could go on and on and on. Yeah, of course. It's a difficult Did you have you thought of the, the first of the questions or is it still not come to you? What? Oh, the, the first one. Um, can I pick a fictional? Does it have to be a real person? No, it could be, be any fictional or a real person. It could be either. Okay. It could be a fictional so, so, my favorite book is On the Road by Jack Kerouac. And I try to read it once a year because I think it's a great reminder to just like enjoy life. And I, my, I wouldn't like to play Dean Moriarty because I don't think I do that character very well but i'd like to play sal paradise who jack character like it's not biographical, but 
book and that's his like he's based that character on himself mm. and they did a movie of this they did a movie and i watched the first 10 minutes and i turned it off because it was but the johnny Depp one the johnny Depp one i don't think it was johnny Depp. no it was Kristen. Kristen stewart is in it oh yeah uh, the johnny Depp one's a uh, feeling ro- feeding loathing i'm thinking of which is not the same thing but yeah i know the one you're talking I'd about like them i'd like that to be done properly like if they could make that film anywhere near as good as the book is Mm. I'd like to do that. That's the part that I would do, I think. Yeah, that's a good answer. Just get a real job. Well, the sort of last two questions, and then I'll let you get away for your performance. But obviously the name of the podcast is Just Get A Real Job, and we've spoke already about having to take other jobs to support yourself in, in this industry. But like, what's the worst part-time job or worst, quote, you know, real job you'd ever had to work to sort of support yourself as an, art, as an I, artist? I, before I got skins, I was working in... WH Smith in the service station in Weatherby, which was which is a, a supposedly one of the best service stations in the country, but I do not have that opinion. Of it. <laughs> sad, sad place. And I was working there, and I was I was doing a shift, and I got the call that I've got the job for Skins, and I and I quit on the spot. I was like, I just got a part in Skins, I'm leaving now. And then <laughs> what they did, right? Which I shouldn't have quit on the spot. That was a bit like. I was a bit mad. I was a bit reckless. But they sat me down in this room and they wouldn't let me leave. And they sat me down. I had this talk to me like, okay, you got this acting job. That's great. Well done. But like, what are you going to do after the job, Sam? You know, this 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 is only going to last a few months. And then, and then you're not going to have a job here. You're not going to have, you know, this is like regular sustainable work that, um, you know, we value you as a person and we're not going to let you leave. You need to give us notice. You're going to have to finish your shift. And until you agree to finishing your shift, we're not letting you leave this room. I was like... Let me out of this room now. <laughs> it's my right to be able to leave. <laughs> this woman was like, I'm not letting you leave, Sam. It was terrifying. terrifying. It almost sounds like she her intentions were in the right place, but like she just went about it in the worst the possible word way. In it, yeah, very badly, very badly. But to be fair, I don't condone that. You shouldn't quit on the spot. Yeah. Maybe rock and roll, man. <laughs> I suppose... There is a night, there's something quite like glamorous though about like working a job you hate like that and then just being there. Because most people dream of doing that, but there's rare people actually yeah, do it. Well that, well, that, well, that was it. I'd seen so many movies. It was just like, it was like, <laughs> I quit. You can't quit. <laughs> well, I am. I'm quitting. And I just wanted that. Wanted That's how that I imagine you did it exactly like that. That's what I imagined. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, my last question for you, and you'd actually given some great advice throughout this podcast from some of your answers anyway, but like we sort of ask our guests just to round off with like what their advice would be to anyone who wants to work in their area of the industry so like for any young actors out there what would you say to them i mean this might not be this might not be a common bit of advice but this is what i would this is what i would say and i think it's i think as a young actor it's quite difficult to hear but i think for me find something extra that you love doing that's not acting do acting as much as you want to do like do all of the you know go to do your own theater stuff you know start your own theater company do all of that if you want but like i think it is a scary industry and like there is rejection and you might not make it not everyone does make it like you said only one percent only the top one percent that make it so have something else that you love doing you know if it makes you money as well that's even better but find something that you love doing that so when you go to those auditions you don't feel like it's the only thing that you have because there's you know as an actor you've got loads of different sides mm. to you you know you're not just an actor. You can do whatever you want to do. I think that's what I would. Yeah, what I, 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 I think that. I is think like, if I heard that when I was 18, though, I'd be like, nah, like acting. That's the only thing I need to think about. That's all I'm going to do, kind of thing. And I think maybe as a young actor, it's difficult to hear that. But 
now I'm 28 and I've, yeah, yeah it's tough. It's tough. I've, I think that's really like genuinely quite sincere and really like nice advice though. And I think, I think it's real. it's good. You know, I really like that answer. So thank you for that. Yeah. 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 I just had like, I've, I've, I've had like I've had tough times where I've really put value on me as a person and it's all been based off, you know, acting, you know, and I yeah. think that's kind of like unhealthy. You, yeah. You're not just an actor. You're, you're a human being. <laughs> And that's a perfect, <laughs> perfect way to end. But honest, Sam, this has been great a conversation. I've really, really enjoyed this one. Thank you for being so honest as well. Like, it's been really nice to chat oh. to you. Thanks, man. Cool. Nice one. Thank you. Well, there you go. That was my conversation with Sam Jackson. A massive thank you again to Sam for giving us his time and for being so open and honest about his experiences as an actor and his life so far. It's really, really interesting conversation. Remember as well, there's links to the Legend of Sleepy Hollow tour, which Sam is part of, in the show notes. That's touring all over the UK over the next few months. So be sure to check that out and uh, maybe go and see the play as well if you're about, if it's in one of the areas you live in. That would be great. Go and support the local art scene. The theatre sector at the moment really needs it after the last couple of years of covid as well so any shows you really want to see try and get back out there it really makes a difference also as always as we say at the start and in the ad break be sure if you're enjoying the podcast to tell friends and family to listen word of mouth is our greatest tool to grow an independent podcast as well if you can subscribe to us on wherever you listen to the podcast whether that's on spotify or apple that's great as well you can also there leave us a five-star review which helps a lot and we have a patreon page as well so you can donate as little or as much as you like to that and all the money we make goes back into the upkeep of the podcast and we also donate 10% of our Patreon earnings every year to a different charity as well so thank you as always for your support wherever you're in the world I hope you're well I hope you have a lovely week we've been recording lots and lots of great conversations so there's lots and lots of more great conversations on the podcast coming up but I hope you have a lovely week and we'll be back again next Tuesday with another episode of Just Get A Real Job Just Get A Real Job